There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 63 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of October 1st, 2007. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on my excellent adventures through the world of short and sonic educational papers. So this is, I think, the second official episode of uh, the Digital Freemason to come off uh, our new website at www.thedigitalfreemason.com. So I hope you've been a had a ch- opportunity to come by and visit the uh, the website. It's it's always growing. It's uh, definitely going from a uh, starting off as a rough hashtag, but we're getting some uh, some of the bugs worked out. You see that uh, the downloads have actually been fairly stable, actually rising a little bit, so that's always good. It looks like most people are finding it. And if you haven't found it, then I don't know how you're listening to this. It must be something to do with that uh, magical interweb stuff going on. This week's episode comes from a short talk bulletin that uh, I think came out, well, what, oh, August 1924. I have no idea who the author is, couldn't dig that up. But deals with a Masonic courtesy. And I know that's one thing that I'm a, I'm a stickler for and it kind of gets me going is, uh, is just seeing when people aren't doing things right. And then I stop and go, okay, how, many, how much of that is because I haven't been mentoring it you see some of the guys who have been around for a long time and they go to do a salute and you know, it looks more like they're waving a bug out of the way than, uh, than actually saluting the worshipful master. So that and along with you know, just the regular the lodge stuff that sort of uh, frosts my goat, like uh, not squaring the corners or, or yeah, doing just doing all that stuff that you should be doing with the, to give it a lot of respect and uh, beauty in the lodge. I'll tell you, it makes a big difference when you see things done just properly, nice and crisp, and everything at a 90 degree angle, which uh, we're taught is uh, anything at 90 degrees is a symbol of Freemasonry, so we should, especially within the lodge, make sure that uh, we do all that we can to be square. Conventions are rules which society makes for itself, without the force of law, by which members live together with the least friction. It is not a sin to eat with one's knife or to keep one's hat on in the house, but these are not good form or good manners. Masonry has developed its own conventions by which its members act in lodge and the anteroom. Not to proceed according to these dictates is not a Masonic offense. It is merely a lack of Masonic manners. As you passed through the third degree, you received instructions in the ritual and the obligation. You are carefully taught these essential things which man must know in order to be a mason. But unless you belong to a most unusual lodge, or had the most wise brother for a mentor, it is doubtful if you were told much about the niceties of lodge conduct. You are supposed to attend your lodge and learn by observation. Not all brethren are observing, however. It is not uncommon to see some brother, old enough in masonry to know better, crossing the lodge room between the altar and the east, where when the lodge is open, I guess that doesn't. That's more in the Weber, not so much in uh, my Canadian. Anyway, back to this. He might have observed that his brother did not do it, but it is n- much more difficult to note the absence of the act than it is to cognize on something done. Brethren do not pass between the altar and the east in the lodge when it is open. It is a convention, and there is no penalty for its infraction. 
It is a courtesy offered to the master. It is rooted in the theory that, as the great lights are necessary to shed their eternal light and wisdom upon the master to govern the lodge with wisdom, that light should never be interrupted at any time, except during the procession of an initiation and degree work, even for an instant. Well-informed brethren do not take a seat in the East without an invitation. All brethren within the child room are equal, and the officers are the servants of the brethren, not their superiors. All seats, then, must be considered open to all. But masonry exacts long services for its officers. Past masters have worked hard and long for the, for the lodge that they love. The master recognizes their devotion and their loyalty, and with a special word of welcome and an invitation to sit in the East, to any distinguished visitor or some member of the, that the master wishes to especially to honor. If all, if all in the lodge help themselves to the seats in the East, there would be no opportunity for the master to offer that courtesy. Brethren who respect the formalities of the, their lodge will not enter it undressed, that is, without their apron, or while putting that apron on. The spectacle of a brother walking up to the altar, tying the strings and adjusting his apron while the master waits for his salute is not a pretty one. A man who entered church putting on his collar and tying his necktie could hardly be arrested, but he would surely receive unflattering comments. This strangeness of the new badge of a mason and unfamiliarity with its meaning causes many to forget that it is as important to a mason in a lodge as clean clothing, properly adjusted, is to a man in the street. The worshipful master in the East occupies the most exalted position within the gift of the lodge, a lodge which does not honor its master, not because of what he himself may be, but on account of the honor given to him, is lacking in Masonic courtesy. The position he occupies, not the man, must be given the utmost respect, if the traditions of Freemasonry are to be observed. It is therefore to the master, not to John Smith, who happens to be the master, that you offer the salute when you enter or retire from your lodge, or any lodge. Like any other salute, this may be done courteously as if you meant it, or perfunctorily as if you didn't care. The man who puts one finger to the brim of his hat when speaking to a woman on the street compares poorly with his well-brought-up neighbor who lifts his hat. Taking the hat off is a modern remains of an ancient custom of knights who removed their helmets in the presence of those they felt were their friends, and thus, before they wished to be honored by showing them that they trusted them. A man removes his hat before a woman to show respect. Touching the brim is perfunctory salutes. Similarly, the salute to the master is your renewed pledge of fidelity and service, your public recognition before all men and, or your obligation. It is performed before the master and the altar to show him the veneration of his authority. You respect all that all that he stands for. To offer your salute as if you were in a hurry, too lazy to properly make it, or bored with its offering, is to be, masonically, a bore. A man in lodge is a servant of his brethren, if he is engaged in any lodge activity. Servants stand in the presence of their superiors. Therefore, no mason sits while speaking, whether he addresses an officer or another brethren. This does not refer to the conversation on the benches during refreshments, but the to the discussion on the floor during a business meeting. During the refreshments, the master relinquishes the gavel to the junior warden in the south, which become for the time being constructively the east. All that has been said about the respect due to the master in the east 
now applies to the junior warden in the South. It is illegal to enter or leave a room during a ballot. It is discourteous to leave during a speech or during a degree, except for the several natural periods which end one section and begin another. Smoking is permitted in some lodge rooms during the business meetings. Alas, there are some who do not interdict in this in during the degree. You will, of course, be governed here by the custom of your own lodge, although it is hoped that you will never lend weight to your opinion towards establishing the custom of smoking during solemn ceremonies of degree, unless, indeed, you would like to smoke in church. <laughs> smoking in a lodge, that's, that's a hoot. Anyway, sorry, back to it. A courteous brother does not refuse a request made in the name of the lodge. There are three duties who, which devolve upon the membership, which are too often the other fellow's business. Every lodge at some time has had to knock upon the door of some visiting brother. This requires the service of two brethren from the lodge in the examination committee. Someone has to do the work. To decline it on any grounds whatsoever is dis discourteous to the master, to whom you have in fact said, I don't want to do my share. Let George do it. I just want to sit here and enjoy myself while other fellows do the work. A degree cannot properly be put on without the services of conductors. When you are assigned such a piece, it is not Masonic courtesy to refuse for the same reasons given above. And if you are selected as a member of the Fellowcraft team, the Master Mason's degree, the only excuse for not accepting that is that of physical disability. Like other matters herein spoken of, refusal here is not a Masonic offense. Neither is it a legal offense to drink from the finger bowl. Seat yourself at the table before your hostess, or spit on your host's parlor floor. But conventions of good manners is what makes society pleasant. Masonic good manners make lodge meetings pleasant. One does not talk in church. God's house is not for social conversation. It is for worship and the learning of the lesson of the day. A good mason does not talk during the conferring of a degree. The lodge room is a temple of the great architect of the universe, with the brethren working therein, doing their humblest, to make the better stones of his spiritual temple. Good manners, as well as reverence, dictate silence and attention during the work. Officers and degree workers cannot do their best if distracted by conversation, and the irreverence cannot help be, but be distressing to the candidates. There is a special lodge courtesy to be observed in all debates to any motion. One speaks to the master. The master is the lodge. One does not turn his back on him to address the lodge without permission from him. One stands in order when addressing the chair. Customs differ in various jurisdictions as to the method of the salute, but some salutes should be, but some salutes should always be given when addressing the master. The spectacle of two brethren on their feet at the same time, arguing over a motion, facing each other and ignoring the master, is not one which any master should permit, but is also one that no master should have to prevent. Failure to obey the gavel at once is a grave discourtesy. The master is all-powerful in the lodge. He can put or refuse to put any motion. He can rule any brother out of order on any subject at any time. He can say what he will and what he will not permit to be discussed. Brethren who think him unfair, arbitrary, unjust, or acting illegally have redress. The Grand Lodge can be appealed to any such matter, but in lodge, the gavel is the emblem of authority, and is supreme. When a brother is wrapped down, he should obey at once, without further discussion. 
it is very bad manners to do otherwise. Indeed, it is close to the line of being between bad manners and a Masonic offense. Failure to vote on a petition is so common in many jurisdictions that it may be considered stretching the list to include it under this heading of lodge discourtesies. In small lodges, the master probably requires the satisfaction of the law, which provides that all brethren present vote. In larger ones, where there is much business and many petition, he may, as he often does, declare the ballot closed after having asked, Have all brethren voted? Even though he knows that quite, quite well that some may not have voted. This is not, to, this is not the place to discuss whether our master is right or wrong in any such action of this nature. But the brother who does not vote because he is too lazy, too indifferent, or for any other reason, is discourteous because he injures the ballot, its secrecy, its importance, and its value. Few brethren would be so thoughtless as to remain seated or stand by their chairs when a candidate is brought to light. Yet, indifference to the one's part in the solemn ceremony is less bad manners than indifference to the ballot. The former injures only the ceremony, but the latter may injure the lodge, and by that injury, injury the fraternity. It is a courtesy to the master to advise him beforehand if you intend to offer thus and such a motion, or wish to offer thus and such a motion for discussion. You have the right to do it without apprising him in advance, just as he has the right to rule you out of order. But the master may have plans for his own, of his own for the meeting, into which your proposed motion or discourse does not fit. Therefore, it is a courtesy to him to ask him privately if you may be recognized for your purpose, and thus save him the disagreeable necessity of seeming arbitrary in a public refusal. Lodge courtesies, like those in the profane world, are found wholly in the golden rule. They oil the Masonic wheels and enable them to revolve without creaking. They smooth the path of all in the lodge and prove to all and sundry that the truth of ritualistic explanation of that more noble and glorious purpose to, to which we have all been taught to put the trowel. Every once in a while I read one of these uh, Masonic papers or find a piece of Masonic information and think, wow, you know, this thing was written like 100, 200 years ago and it's still just as applicable today as ever. And then you read paper, papers like this that are 80-ish years old and you think, some of it's good. I mean, all the parts about courtesy and uh, addressing the, the master and speaking to lodge through the master. Yep, that all makes sense. But then it comes with the items such as smoking during a lodge meeting. Kind of, wow, geez, things have changed. So maybe a Freemasonry is, I'll say, changing a little bit. Not ever slowly, but, you know, it's worked for the last few hundred years at least. But, uh, yeah, we still take into account some of the little differences there are. So anyway, I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our, uh, our time together. And uh, as always, if you have any comments or ideas for upcoming episodes, drop me a line at podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com and uh, swing by the website and check it out. It's I'm chipping away at the, my rough digital ashlar, so to speak, and making the uh, website a little bit better and better and look a few features. I don't know how much, how far I'll go on that. It's uh, there's a lot of other good places out there, and I just don't want to be uh, paying up yet another website that yet another group of masons need to go to. So, but on the other hand, maybe I will. It's, we'll just see how that one plays out. But anyway, drop drop by, visit. Uh, I'd like to sign the guest book right now. I think I'm the only one who put a signature in there, and I gotta say, I feel a little bit like a uh, 
like one of those geeky kids in high school trying to get someone to sign my yearbook. So come by, appease the, the geeky Freemason and sign the guest book at least. So until next week, have fun, take care, and uh, keep the shiny side up.